0: Before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness, an inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness, brave men would not venture, for as the map says, here, there be monsters. few calls regarding mysterious people, or strangers, if you will. But before we do this, let's do a little house cleaning I need to hear from you. I know some of you out there have experienced something creepy, witnessed something odd in the woods, or strange in the sky. I know you have a story to tell, so why not tell it here? Give my monster hotline a call at 888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-6444. It's very easy to call in. The call is toll-free, it'll only take a few minutes, and you don't have to talk to anyone. Simply leave your story when prompted, and you're done. So please, consider sharing your story with us. Now, on with the show. The human race is programmed to recognize familiarity. The brain searches its surroundings for patterns, a mother's face, a familiar scent, or a loved one's voice. As comforting as these experiences can be, there's a dark side of recognition. Have you ever made eye contact with a person only to get shivers down your spine? Or felt a chill when a stranger walks by? Worse yet, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you can only catch a glimpse of someone or something that you swear shouldn't even be there? Strangers are part of our everyday life. They prepare our food, drive our buses, police our streets, and even deliver packages to our front door. We are dependent upon these mysterious people to march civilization forward. But how do we know these people can be trusted? How do we know that these are even people at all? Tonight, we explore three stories that raise that very question. If these strangers are people, what are they doing here? If they're not people, well, what are they? Our first call comes to us from a police officer in Texas.
1: Hey, I wanted to share a story with you about an experience that happened to me while I was on patrol as a rookie. Uh, it was about six years ago. Uh, I'm working as a police officer, and I was working the night shift, and I was sent to a disturbance in progress. And when I arrived on scene, I, I made contact with the uh, reporting party who uh, lived in a duplex. Um, one building, two homes side by side, and... Um, she said that she called because she's heard a disturbance coming from next door, some banging on the walls, some uh, screaming, sounded like a female's voice. And uh, when she was telling me this, she, she said well, it was her understanding that there's nobody who lives next door, or at least there's not supposed to be. So uh, I took her information, and as she was telling me what was going on, I, I heard what sounded like a commotion. Uh, and it was muffled. I heard some screaming. I could tell it was coming from through the wall, not from anywhere inside of the uh, side of the house that we were in. So uh, I called for additional units to come out and help me uh, uh, because we were going to go in the house next door. It sounded like there was somebody who needed help. So you know when there's exigent circumstances, we don't need to get a search warrant to go into the house. somebody screaming from inside sounded like they needed help. We went ahead and made the decision we were going to go into the house. I went into the house through the backyard, uh, found an open window, went in while uh, my partner stayed and watched the outside of the house, make sure nobody came out as I went in. Um, Went through the house, there was not a piece of furniture, didn't even find a person inside. I even had my partner come in and help me check the attic to make sure there was nobody hiding upstairs trying to play a trick on us. I never did uh, find out where the commotion was coming from, the the banging on the walls, the screams that I heard myself coming from uh, the adjacent uh, home in the duplex there. And uh, I wanted to share that story with you guys.
0: Thank you for that call. I don't know what would be scarier in that situation, entering the home and finding no one or entering the home and finding someone. I've heard many stories like this over the years. Tales like this are often accredited to something called residual haunting, which is uh, the notion that a traumatic event took place at a location and that overwhelmingly negative energy has imprinted on that location, allowing it to be replayed in one form or another. It's not hard to imagine this being the case for this particular caller's story. Perhaps a struggle did occur years ago. Things got violent and someone was hurt or even killed. That energy, strong and negative, has engraved itself on that location, and when conditions are right, it plays itself over and over again. I'd be curious to know what the weather conditions were that evening. More specifically, had there been an electrical storm, or something that would allow for that particular energy to build up? Of course, this is all spitballing. It's just as likely that two people were actually arguing inside, and when they heard the officer approach, they simply grabbed their stuff and ducked out a window out of sight. But then again, I wasn't there. Thanks again for that call. The next tale was found on Ranker.com under the WTF Stories You've Gotta Read, collection titled, Park Rangers Describe the Creepiest Things They've Ever Seen. The story in question is listed as number one, and is titled, Mysterious Stranger Stocks Camp at Night. Here's that story. I once led a trip to the top of Mount Sterling in North Carolina. It's a tough climb to get to the top, and about six miles from the nearest road. I was leading a group of eight middle school kids, and had one co-instructor. We were camping out on top of the mountain, and it was a beautiful night with a full moon. The kids and the other instructor went to bed in their tents. I chose to spend the night in a hammock. I was really into a book I was reading, so I stayed up and read until about 10.30 p.m. I turned my headlamp off to settle in for the night. Everything around me was rather bright from the moon, and from the position I was in, I could see down the trail we had hiked to get to the top. I laid there enjoying the scenery and noticed something moving on the trail. Now bears are quite common in the area so I perked up. As it got closer, I could tell it was a person. We were in the middle of nowhere, and there was someone hiking up the trail with no headlamp or gear. I was just frozen watching this person move closer to our camp. They arrived at the top of the mountain where we just stopped. I really could only see the outline of him. He stood there for what seemed like 30 minutes, but may have been 10. He turned and sat down under a tree, facing our camp. He was sitting up in a way that I knew he wasn't trying to sleep. He just sat there, staring at our camp. I had no idea what to do. I decided to wait it out. I waited, just staring at the man while he stared at my camp. This went on until about 3.30 a.m. Then, he stood up, took a moment to survey my camp a few minutes longer, and then went back down the trail he came up. To this day, I have no idea what that was all about, but it freaked me out. I was paranoid that we were being followed for the rest of the trip. As soon as I read that story, I knew I had to put it on the show. It's so simple and somewhat benign, but below the surface terrifying. Let's say just for a minute that this individual was actually a human being. What were they doing up there? And better yet, why would they stop and watch other campers simply sit there? To complicate things further, he or she had no gear or headlamp. I suppose it's possible that it was simply another camper who'd set up camp further down the mountain and heard a commotion that decided to walk up the moonlit trail to see what was going on. He just simply left his belongings back at camp. But why would he sit and watch for so long? What would be the point of that? Did he know he was being watched and thought it'd be a funny prank? That does not seem at all likely to me. Now let's for a minute assume that this was not another human, but rather something else. There have been numerous Sasquatch sightings in the mountains of North Carolina over the years. In fact, the Mount Sterling area is around a 100 miles from the location of the Nobby sightings in the 70s, and also from the location of the 911 call I played last week. The behavior described by the ranger is similar to other reports of purported Sasquatch activity. I've heard many accounts describing a large, bipedal creature watching campers just out of the firelight or hiding just beyond the range of a home security light. It's not too far-fetched to think that that behavior could be applied here. Either way, as a frequent camper and backpacker, I found the story both fascinating and chilling at the same time. Our next call comes in from Iowa, and it barely made the cut. Uh, It literally came in as I was recording, and I thought it was too good to pass up. So, uh, here we go with that call.
2: Hey, this is Alex. I live here in Iowa. I don't really know if I've seen anything, but I fish a lot on the South Skunk River in central Iowa, and... uh, where I fish, I go down about five, ten miles. I'll hike it. I'll camp up on a barge on the river. A couple of weeks ago, I was down south of Breezner Iowa, which is by Pella. Out in the middle of nowhere, about ten o'clock at night, I was checking my lines, pitch black, and it sounded like something threw a rock at me on the water. And At first, I thought it was a beaver, you know, just smacking its tail. It's typical, you know, but it was loud, you know, and it wasn't like a splash, it was like, big rock hitting the water noise I didn't really think much of it and I ran back my fire sitting there take my lines again and kept hearing it you know and it just kept getting closer and closer and finally one probably about 10 foot away I mean big splash in the water I mean it had to be a big ass boulder you know because it was just a booze water come up hit me you know and I'm sitting there and we could hear something running through the woods, and I'm actually getting the chills right now talking to you about it, and <laughs> it was just a little spooky, I mean, there's all kinds of critters running around out there, deer, and mountain lions, and coyotes, but, you know, there ain't nothing besides a human, which I highly doubt would be out there, because I'm, you know, miles out in the middle of nowhere on a river, and, and there's nothing that could throw a rock out here, so, I don't know, just kind found it weird, I was, heard weird noises out there in the marsh and the bayous on the Skunk River where it floods up and its backwater creates a pond or a lake area and nobody lives out there because it floods up so much you know so it's just vast open timber you know for miles and miles and miles and then around all that's nothing but cornfields you know so I've just heard weird <laughs> out there and whatever you know get old if you want more stories brother
0: now at first I'd simply say that Alex is hearing a fish jumping. However, I'm just not real sure what the weather has been like in Iowa lately. If it's still cold and the water table's still cold, uh, this is less likely they won't be jumping for bugs or or mating just yet. His suggestion that it was a, a beaver tail is pretty logical, but it sounds like he was able to rule that out. I'll be honest, this sounds like it could be purported Sasquatch behavior. Rock throwing is typical for these types of sightings, Uh, I've heard accounts of Bigfoot-like creatures tossing rocks and boulders onto canoes to sink them. Whatever Alex heard that evening certainly deserves further investigation. Perhaps we can get him to go back out there with an audio recorder. Thanks, Alex, for the call. Our final call comes from an anonymous caller in Ohio. Let's give it a listen.
3: Hey, I just want to tell you thanks first and foremost for letting me uh, tell the story here. Uh... Forgive me if a few of the details are a little bit fuzzy, but it was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Um, however, what I did see still sticks with me, and it still kind of freaks me out to this day. So like I said, this was about 20, maybe even 21 years ago. I was, I uh, wasn't even quite yet a teenager. Uh, we had just moved. My family had just moved from our old house to uh, to a newer house. To a, well, it was a brand new house. It was just built. Um but the development itself <clears throat> was still uh very incomplete. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh a lot of dirt lots, um, you know, basements already kind of dug out, construction stuff all over the place and kinda of like that. Um definitely a, a good place for <laughs> definitely a safe place for a young kid to go run around and be an idiot in. Anyway. This would have been uh maybe after the first after the first full year in the house of uh it must have been early summer, maybe even late spring. Um, I just remember it was warm out. Um, I was dead asleep in my room, and uh, but like just suddenly I had like this urge. I felt like very compelled to wake up. Not not like in a, a jumpy sort of way. Like something startled me, but just I was just very alert and uh, very awake. And this is a little bit after two a.m. And uh, I also felt compelled to go walk over to my one of my bedroom windows. So. I walked over and um, <clears throat> I sort of crouched down so I could see. I don't know why I crouched down, but I crouched down so I could kind of see uh, out the window a little bit better. There were some trees. There were some trees in our front yard. Uh, they're probably gone now, but um, <clears throat> there's some trees in our front yard that blocked my view a little bit. But you could still kind of see all the way down to the the corner. Uh, corner down the street Um, probably can't now there's obviously like I said this was a a new development at the time there weren't many houses then but uh, now your view would probably probably be blocked from the same window so anyway um, as I'm peering down looking at this corner um, I see three figures walking away from uh, away from my house there may be two two to three hundred feet away somewhere in that range and kind of moving, uh, like I said, moving away from the house. Um, so I'm watching it for a long moment, and I don't know why. Like I, I just, like I said, I just woke up and felt compelled to kind of go over the window and take a peek out. And uh, as I'm watching these figures, I notice that I just can't glean any detail. I mean, there's even a street light kind of down the street a ways. Um, but it's just like it's not enough light for me to make out exactly what, who or what was walking down the street. Um, but I could just, I could see the, more or less the dark outlines of like people. Um, but it was really strange, uh, as I was watching them, as I was watching them, I noticed that they were all moving in unison, like almost like perfectly synced together. Uh, they're sort of in like a, not quite a straight line, almost like an angled line, uh, walking down the, uh, well, What would become the sidewalk, but, uh, it was just kind of like a dirt path at the time. And they were also very, very slow. Even though they were moving kind of constantly, it didn't seem like any of their their movements were in any kind of hurry. They just sort of almost like glided down the street. So I'm watching them for a very long moment, and all three of them stop. And I don't know how to explain it. it. Even though I couldn't really make out any detail, I could tell that they all sort of turned their heads to look at me um there's nothing else on the street there's no cars uh there's no other people walking around like i said it was new development there wasn't much really out by where we lived at that point in time and uh all three of them at the same time though like i said they moved in unison they craned their heads at least as far as i could tell to look at me um and like i said they all moved in unison so i could kind of see the uh the movements happening at the same time and uh, it was that we had that weird moment where I knew I knew they were watching me and they knew I was watching them. Um, and it was just kind of a weird, kind of tense moment. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there and just kept staring, and then uh, everything just kind of went blank. Like not not in like a pass out kind of way. I just felt like a very long blink. Um, and when I opened my eyes again, I was uh, still in the same position, kind of kneeling down, looking at the window. with My Face was like pressed up against the glass in the window, um, and instead of two a.m., it was just about nine a.m. Uh, maybe just a little bit before nine a.m. Uh, I had blinked and misplaced about seven hours worth of time. Uh, it was in daylight, obviously. There was you know weird figures at the end of the street uh, by the corner. Uh, still, really freaks me out. Actually, um, you know, twenty years later. Like I said, some of the details are maybe a little bit off. And, you know, I don't know how far away they were or you know what time of year it was necessarily, but I, I still remember that moment when they turned around and look at, looked at me, knowing that I was watching them. And still kind of runs chills at my spine. Anyway, thanks for letting me tell the story. Um, hopefully I don't experience anything like that ever again.
0: I don't even know what to make for this call, but several scenarios go through my head. He was young. Perhaps he was simply dreaming that he saw the figures. He'd already been asleep before the story began and seemingly fell asleep during. Could it possibly have been simply a group of people walking down the street and his young eyes and young imagination played a few tricks on him? It's not uncommon to see people walking late on warm days. Given that this was at night, at a distance, from a funny angle, it's entirely possible. But here's where my theories get a little strange. My first thought when hearing the story is that since the development is new, maybe these people have returned to uh, an area to find houses where something else might have stood previously. Perhaps it was part of some religious ritual, or more innocently, just a hangout spot for local teenagers. But that doesn't dismiss the weird movements, nor does it explain away the missing time the caller experienced. I can't help but notice the encounter has many characteristics of an alien abduction. The strange urge to wake up and look outside, Witnessing strange figures but unable to look away? Missing time? Is it feasible that our caller was abducted and these memories are the extent of his recollection? Perhaps we will never know, but I do appreciate you calling in. So that about wraps it up for the evening. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Before I go, I want to give a shout-out to the guys over at Cryptopia.us. They've been very supportive of my show. So if you're craving some weird news monster breakdowns, or interviews, go check them out. That's cryptopia.us. I want to remind you to check out the Facebook page. Just search Hear There Be Monsters Podcast. And also follow us on Instagram, also at Hear There Be Monsters Podcast. If you have a story to submit but you don't really want to call in, head on over to our website at www.HearThereBeMonstersPodcast.com and go to the sightings section. There you'll find our email and a new feature, a completely anonymous submission field for you to submit your tale. Simply fill it out, click send, and I'll get it. Finally, help keep the show going. I have an Etsy shop where I create pieces based on obscure historical events, people, places, uh, some horror, some serial killer inspired pieces. Head on over to Etsy and search for the Rag and Bone Emporium. Now I'll use N as in Nancy, not A-N-D. Have a look. All purchases big and small will help keep the episodes coming. That's it, folks. Thanks again for listening. Have a great night. I will see you next week.